sports fans, I'm Ashley, and this is Standing Room Only. I'm accompanied by these two lovely gentlemen in their homes. One who has decided to cross over to the dark side. Well, the Padres aren't exactly the dark side, oh. but... Yeah, oh, the dark, I, I'd be wearing your Yankee jersey if I went to the dark side. But I think uh, I'm officially announcing that uh, as of the 2020 season, just for this season, I'm... Uh, I'm going to be a Padres fan because I, I can't watch the Mets anymore. I, I wonder why. I wonder why that is. I, I mean, this, this. I have one. I have one word for this. <laughs> All right. This and season is disgusting, okay. and I don't blame him for for Craw finally joining my misery and crossing to the dark side. So, what's up first, Ashley? Well, in the spirit of screaming goats, um, obviously everyone has heard about. He decided to opt out for COVID-related reasons. Now, before I get into the specifics, what do you guys think about him just walking away? Victor, you start. It's good. We didn't get him anymore. Like, to be honest, it's better that it happened now than if we were in a full season and he happened to leave mid-season. I mean, aside from 2015 Cespedes, the Mets haven't seen much of him since. You know, you go back to 2018, he was injured. 2019 with his own self-injury with the wild boar and now with this whole COVID thing going on. Uh, it was nice It was nice to have Cespedes, but uh, his time was up. His time was okay. up long before this. So in terms of specifics, um, at the start of the game, the Mets were unsure where Cespedes was after he failed to report to the Atlanta ballpark for the team's Sunday afternoon game against the Braves. Uh, General Manager Brody said that Cespedes had not reached out to management with any explanation for his absence, and their attempts to contact him had been unsuccessful. Apparently, they did send security up to his room, and they realized he had been packed up and gone. So a lot of fans are a little bit frustrated because he just got up and walked away and didn't say anything to anyone. Well, okay, look. I don't trust Brody Van Wagenen as far as I can throw him, nor do I trust the Mets organization. Because how many times... Look, they said they sent someone to his room. First of all, first of all, what kind of organization speculates and puts out there that a player is missing before having any concrete information about what is actually going on. This has happened in the past. Players have turned up dead. Players have turned up drunk. Players have turned up in different places. And they wait. They wait to say anything. It's to not involve fan speculation, not worry their families, whatever it might be. The Mets being such a poorly run organization, as one person said on Twitter, was either trying to embarrass Cespedes or is just a crappily run organization that's, that, that puts out speculation and 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 doesn't think before they speak. Does do not act and and do the thorough do investigations before they actually put out a statement. Being said, look, Cespedes exited the same way he came in in a way. We all remember it's been almost exactly five years since the Wilmer Flores fiasco, and then Cespedes coming in. And look at the one that night with Wilmer Flores was. And yes, it was a different regime as far as it was Sandy Olsen, now Brody Van Fuckface. But it's still the same team. It's still, for the most part, the same front office. You've got a general manager, ownership, managers. They don't communicate with each other. They never have. And they embarrass themselves at every turn. There are a lot of rumors out there and sources that are saying that Cespedes 
and his agent had informed the team the night before on Saturday night. Now, I would not be at all shocked if the Mets did get notification but didn't communicate it down to the team in Atlanta or just dropped the ball somewhere or just flat out lying, which they've done in the past with numerous free agents, numerous other uh, others. Oh, uh, they also said yesterday, it's not COVID-related. We don't have any, wor- any, any reason to worry about the safety, and we, and we can confirm that it's not COVID-related. They've since deleted all that because it ended up being COVID-related. They screwed up even in this own situation onto itself. Their history is one of lies, of half-truths, of exaggerations, of jumping the gun, of trying to make someone else look bad so they can look better. And in the process, they just brutally embarrass themselves. So I don't necessarily trust the fact that the, the, the story right now that Cespedes didn't notify them on time or that his agent didn't notify them on time. Yes, should a player maybe of someone of Cespedes' ilk, yes, definitely reach out to the manager directly and so so forth. There's talk about how he was unhappy with his playing time or how the treat, team was treating him or whatnot. I, I don't know, and hopefully that will come to light. Probably won't. So I do I think that Cespedes went about this exactly the right way? No, but he also has a history of not going about things the right way necessarily with other teams, the Red Sox and the A's and so forth. But I, I truly do think that this is a developing story where the truth about how the Mets handled this will end up looking worse than how Cespedes handled this. But again, like Victor said, we don't need him. I was hoping he'd be able to show something, but he's not. And we're over a tenth, what, 15% of the way through the season Give other people an opportunity to do more because I, I love Cespedes. It's in my eyes, he is a legend. He is the best left fielder we had just for what he did in 2015. He put that team on his back. He got us to the playoffs. People want to act like, oh, he's, he's dogging it. He's played through injury for years as best he could. And, yeah, it's a lot of freaky crap. The boar attack, this, that, and the other thing. So, yes, it's marred with, like, ridiculousness, and this is just very fitting to complete it this way, but... You know, I, 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 I love Cespedes. I wish him well, and I can't blame anyone if it is indeed about COVID for opting out for COVID reasons. Several other players and other teams did it also this weekend, and their teams didn't drop the ball. Just saying. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what? Victor's right. At the end of the day, it's, it's time to give someone else uh, that, that DH role. It really is. Well, so there are conflicting reports. One did say that he was very frustrated with the Mets before opting out. Um, it was confirmed that twice in the first nine games of the season, Cespedes confronted uh, Mets officials concerned about his playing time and that he would be kept out of lineups to prevent him from reaching that lucrative performance goal. So one of those came Saturday when he first talked to uh, Luis Rojas and then Brody about his playing status and bonuses. And then, obviously, he knew before the buses left for uh, Truist Park on Sunday that he was not going to be in the starting lineup. And then, ta-da, he never showed up. However, on the flip side, there are people or friends of Cespedes who said due to the recent outbreaks of having a family member with pre-existing positions, Cespedes decided to opt out because it was best for him and his family. So we don't really know. It's probably a mixture of all those things. I mean, if indeed it was a matter of not knowing, because I know Rojas lets the team know via like a video chat who's going to be in the lineup that day. So if it is something that happened on Sunday that that's shitty, wait till the end, wait till after the game, wait till wait till after the game, and then do it the right way at night. In which case, that's messed up, and it's not the Mets' fault in that way. But I I also understand being frustrated. The team often they the team only thinks like look yes business baseball is a business 
everyone's worried about their bottom line, but but the Mets demonstrate an exuberant amount of of I can't even think of the right term right now. They they always demonstrate how they think about money first at the expense of the team, and so if they were blocking him from certain incentives, not surprised at all, at all. All right, so on the flip side of things, who will end up taking on the role of DH? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Um, well, we could get a legitimate left fielder and then put in <laughs> uh, Dom Smith in the DH role or Pete Alonzo and then let Dom Smith play first. Um, I'm down the for Dom just Smith. signed Billy Hamilton. I mean, they, they got him in a trade um, from the uh, what was it, San Francisco Giants. I also yep. got their jersey, too, so I could probably rough them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I. The DH, Shane. What do you think? I mean, I'll go back to Dom Smith. Uh, the guy is one of the best hitters on the team. He hasn't got a chance to really hit his stride, even though he's doing better than most of the team. Not saying much. Uh, give him that shot, and of course, on days where Alonzo, you know, you 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 have more flexibility there to have both Alonzo and Dom Smith hit every day, and then switch him off at of first base. Obviously, Alonzo should get the majority of the playing time there, even though he's not as defensively well off as, as Smith is. And yes, the team can use all the defensive help they, and improvement they can get, but I think Dom Smith, but it's definitely going to open it up for uh, Jimenez to get more time on the field and have Cano DH. And again, now though, we come down to the fact that we've traded for Billy Hamilton, which I'm actually, I, I'm a little excited about. I mean, I don't know really where he's at right now with his career and, and how... Maybe he must he must be struggling for the Mets to get him. I'm just gonna say that. Well, so actually, it's funny because I you know I did my research on him and they say that you know he's very speedy. He's always mm-hmm. diving for things. He's going above and beyond. So this actually might be very beneficial to our outfield in general. Like we need someone who has a lot of energy who's gonna like bring that into the dugout and kind of influence the rest of the team and kind of bring everybody under that umbrella as well. Yeah, well, I think uh, Hamilton had, I think, for like a couple consecutive seasons, 56 stolen bases. Yeah. And the Mets haven't had a legitimate base runner or base stealer at least uh, since Jose Reyes. So I think that's another dynamic that would add to this team, whether it's a pinch runner or a utility outfielder. They say that he should be adding a lot to our defense, which is exactly what we need at the base. Yeah, I think... I mean, look, Conforto's the mainstay in right field. I think Nimmo needs playing time. I'm not really that impressed with Rusnik or Corday, whatever his name is. Like, I don't, I don't, I can take them and I can definitely leave them. Dom Smith is not an outfielder. He does what he yeah. can. It's, you need to get I him in the lineup. I saw, I saw the highlight. He tried to rob that home run. And it but I mean, missed. the entire outfield is struggling. Conforto's been lackadaisical out there to a great extent. Nimmo can't go back on balls at all. Granted, we Dang. re-signed... As well, what's that? Davis has been struggling defensively as well. Yeah, I mean, look, the whole team on the field is just abysmal, and I will not would not be surprised if, if this team comes out 30th out of 30 defensively for the entire major leagues because it's bad. Hamilton improves that, you know. DeGrom they said that DeGrom asked the infielders to uh, the outfielders to play a little more shallow than normal because he'd rather get beat by a longer ball than a shorter ball than a bloop. But when you don't have, you know, Juan Lagares in his prime or Cespedes in 2015 
or what have you, or Dallas Strawberry out there. Yeah, no, guys aren't going back on those balls. Yeah. Nimmo's letting stuff go over his head. Hamilton is a center fielder. He's got the speed. He's got the, the age on his side. He's got experience. He's a great leadoff guy. He's a great pinch runner later in games. If he's not starting that day, he's a great outfielder. I put Nimmo in right and left. Hamilton in center, Conforto in right. You can Dom is is DH and Dom and I guess JD Davis split that time in uh, yeah. in in the DH role and 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 then the, the the spot starts here and there. You can put Conforto in DH, put Nemo in right, whatever. You have a lot more flexibility now. Well, th- this should be the season where teams, not only the Mets, just experiment with lineups. Yeah. Players, we talked about that players. earlier. Look, like this is this is only a sixty game season. Who knows if it's even gonna last sixty games and then whether or not your team makes the playoffs. Like this should just be the year where you're like, All right, let me try all the things that I wouldn't risk during a normal season and put it there um, on the field. I mean I know Luis Rojas is a first year manager. Um, so I don't know how far he'll go with this. Maybe since he is younger, he'll be more analytics driven or you'll go more with this gut but aside from that i mean playoffs or not like this this 2020 Mets season should be one where you really figure out the depth of your team and uh the limits that your players have how do you feel victor about the this i mean i guess you haven't really watched the games too much but <laughs> what you've seen in the box score Rojas's move so far, how he's managed games. Like, how do you guys feel about that? I'll be honest. Uh, Of the 10 games the Mets have played, I have watched uh, zero. (laughs) And just because, like, to be honest, I'm just not, I'm not interested in the team this year. There's something about it, whether it was because of the delayed season because of COVID, but I just don't have the excitement to watch the team anymore. And I was telling Chin and Ashley earlier, I was just like, yeah, I've only just been following the box scores. Mm -hmm. And... It's kind of like the same the same tale of the Mets in June. It's always just you see the Mets, they have the lead. And what was it? I think, what was it, two nights ago where they blew a six-run lead? And out of all people, Travis Darnot hit a bases-clearing um, double. Ugh. And I think that's, that's where the Mets are losing. They're losing morale way too early into the year. And like we said... This baseball season is a sprint, no longer a marathon, so there's no room for error. I mean, I feel like they skip right ahead two sixty games in the season, which is when June hits, <laughs> and June yeah. is always a nightmare month for the Mets. So they just, they just, yeah, and they won opening the day. Obviously, we all know with Manfred, he is going to be deciding whether or not to continue the season, whether or not to pause it or cancel it. So we do know that there have been several games that got canceled or postponed between the Nationals, the Marlins, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Brewers, and the Cardinals. We do know that Marlins are actually seeing a full-blown outbreak. Um, they actually were found to be very, very lax in their protocols. Um, Many of the teammates have been spotted high-fiving or spitting or getting too close to the dugout, all in violation of the manual that Manfred set in the beginning. Now, one thing that I found very alarming is that in Manfred's manual, you do not see anything regarding what to do if and when there is a full-blown outbreak for one of the teams. There is no contingency plan on how to approach the season 
going forward if COVID does break. All he did was outline the standards as to what we should be doing for COVID. So how do you guys feel about, one, the Marlins not, you know, paying attention to things and then still infecting other people, and then two, the lack thereof of procedures when COVID actually, you know, is amongst all the teams? Well, let me dive headfirst into this. Look. Derek Jeter, who everyone reveres as a god, he is not. He is a man. He's a fallible man. And he is a businessman, first and foremost, not a baseball player. This guy's team, under his leadership as owner, should be penalized and disqualified from the entire baseball season. And I'll tell you why. They have multiple players on that team who went out and partied in Philadelphia. Jeter wants to act like, oh, we were fine while we were in Miami or while we were in Florida, but it was when we were on the road we had an issue. Yes, because your players are being allowed to do whatever the hell they want to do. They go out there, and then that Saturday, last Saturday, well, not this past Saturday, but Saturday before, uh, at the time, I believe it was uh, 13 play, uh, players and staff. Now it's up to, I think, 17, 18 players alone tested positive for COVID. What did they do? They didn't talk to MLB, which I'll get to in a minute. They didn't talk to MLB or Manfred. They talked to Jeter ownership, and amongst themselves, they decided, oh, you know what? No reason to stop right now. Let's play tomorrow. Now, one can argue that, yes, the Phillies had already been exposed to the Marlins. What's the harm there? The harm is that someone, even if it's just one person, who may not have been exposed to you because they didn't get on base, they didn't interact with you, this, that, and the other thing, maybe a, a lowly groundskeeper, umpire, staff member, not just players, can a new new people can be exposed to you on Sunday. They went ahead and played and put people's lives at risk. And the MLB is doing precisely dick about that, and that's absolutely disgusting. So it does not surprise me that in their 113-page manual of BS, where people don't high-five, don't spit, where everyone's doing it, and, 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 and don't have fraternization between teams, and wear a mask when you can, no one's freaking doing it, No one, next to no one is respecting it, that you have a team that went out there, put themselves at risk, now put other people at risk, are not being penalized whatsoever. Yes, they haven't played since, but that's not a that's not punishment. Punishment should be like you guys got to follow the rules. You guys can't be stupid. The fact that they're not in a bubble to begin with. NBA, no positive players. MLB, dozens across teams. Across teams. And the fact that they're being allowed to continue their season when they can. The fact that they're still in second place in the NL East because they played two games and lost, lost, played three games, won two, lost one. It's just astounding because now they're going to go into win percentage and determine the playoffs that aren't going to happen, but maybe they will happen. It's just absolutely utter Insanity, and it just shows how Manfred will go down as the worst modern-day commissioner in history. This entire thing has been botched, bundled, mishandled since the since go, and it's just the latest. It's the, he he should own the Mets because he operates like he does. Pathetic, <laughs> clueless, dumb, and here's the thing: the Mets, for the most part of the history, have not dealt with life and death situations. This is life and death. And they don't have any idea 
what it is that they're doing. Yeah. And if they don't have protocol for a large outbreak other than shut down the season, and he wants to say one minute, he wants to say we might cancel the season, the next minute he's like, oh, it's a day-to-day thing now. You know, we're, we're, you know I, I, we got to be flexible. We, we can continue to play. Just, it just shows how it all comes down to the touching. Let's make as much money as possible no matter how much we put other people's lives at risk. And it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if I could follow that up, Shane. That was very intense. Um, look, this was bound to happen in baseball just because there's so much traveling going on. I mean, you're going even though you're still going between cross states. I, I predicted, like in my mind, I knew an outbreak was going to happen. Like you alluded to before, Shane, with the NBA, there's no outbreaks because it's played in a bubble. Just how. Uh, the MLS is back with the Major League Soccer League. Uh, they're also doing the same thing. They're playing in a bubble. Um, baseball has been the most disorganized professional sport in doing so. So now, what is Manfred going to do? I don't think he's going to do much. I know he's threatened to say that he's going to cancel the season, but then he goes back on his word and says um, that he's like, I'm not a quitter. We're going to keep on playing, and then they'll just keep reorganizing the schedule. Um, I just, I, I don't even know how the season will end, whether it'll be a play, whether it'll be for the playoffs, or it'll just be cut short due to COVID. Well, so Manfred has said that he is not canceling the season. Yeah. He did say that they're going to be ramping up its prevention approach. Um, including in some compliance officers. So he did say that a team looting a number of players that rendered a completely non-competitive would be standard for considering a pause at the team level. That would, of course, require subjective judgment to determine whether a team has been reduced to non-competitive status, but at least standard of some kind. I think we're at that point with the Marlins. So where do we go from here? Shane, do you have any thoughts on it? Uh, quote, I think that if everybody does what they're supposed to do, we can continue to play, have a credible season, and get to the postseason. That's what Manfred said. Huh, I wonder who said that. Which is just, it, it, that, I mean, that's where he goes from here. Like, he, he's just trying to get, he's just trying to have a season and it's going to be it's not going to be a credible season because he's not going to make it a credible season the changing of the rules back and forth the improvising as we go for an exhibition season when we try things out we try to get people in entertainment yeah sure great fine improvise and understandable that we should be a little flexible with things i get that but to not have foreseen this happening and to be Making it up as you go along just is an embarrassment. And where we go from here is to just, I think we should shut down the season. And if we don't say there will be a version of the playoffs, it'll be a bragging rights trophy. It's not a World Series. Where do we go is just, we're too far gone to really look at this in any kind of positive light, in my opinion. Okay. So after news of Marlins outbreak service, David Price 
the Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher who opted out of the season before it began. He tweeted, part of the reason I'm at home right now is because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed. So on the flip side, Yankees outfielder Giancarlo Stanton said, everyone can do better. This is a learning process. We learn things every day from how to do better with this on both sides. Both sides can be better, and by the time the season is over, there can still be improvements of what we could have done better. Giancarlo Stanton is towing the company line, trying to... It sounds that's a that's I feel like that's a layered statement of saying yeah not everything's being done but it'll be all right you know I believe in MLB and I believe in my money and my contracts since usually I'm on the DL or the IL exactly what the 113 page operating manual was yeah it'll be all right it'll be okay we don't have to like implement anything it does speak to the larger picture of that they don't really know what they're doing nor do they care to. When you try to please money first, the well-being of a human being is usually going to suffer. And I think that's exactly what this season has been about. And I think that's exactly what Manfred's focus is trying to be. You cannot have your cake and eat it too sometimes. And it's, it's sad. But it's also sad that these players in this league can get 15-minute test back, hour-and-a-half test back every single day for, for dozens and dozens of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people in the league. They can get it back in 15, 20 minutes, but the average person who doesn't have a million dollars, who doesn't have all this stuff, takes 13 days to get the test back. It's, it's an embarrassment of society, but that's what it is. Well, speaking of not being able to have your cake and eat it, so... Let's go into how shitty the rotation and pen are, <laughs> as well as the defense and hitting with a man on base. I mean, aside from the star of Jacob Degrom, man, what are you gonna do? We can't, we we can't put a team together. We can't put a team together. You have, uh, was it Michael Walker? I just saw the box line. He's 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 doing decent. I feel like he's like maybe a number two ish. Considering that Noah Syndergaard is in here. Uh, he did Rick good his Porcello, first game. Man, Yesterday I, I was really not love, good. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Porcell, I feel bad. Because I, I was like, I had high hopes for him. In the exposition, he uh, he got rocked by the Yankees. I was like, all right, maybe he'll uh, brush this off. But clearly that didn't happen where he performed terrible in his uh, previous two games. Um, apparently, then we get some other guy too, another starter. He's a rookie who got called up. David Peterson. David he Peterson. He looks like he could actually. I like him. He looks like he could be a little uh, bright spot in this season. Yeah, no, I like him. He's been, he was good. How I'm not surprised. The fans try to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, next year will be his year. But it's turning out like this uh, Cano DS trade was probably one of the worst trades in. Three. Yeah, it's pretty awful. I mean, Familia's shot. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah. Diaz yeah, is Familia's shit. Not Familia. And I mean, it looks like Diaz has lost Mateus the closer role. Still struggling. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Lugo, Lugo well, is what we've got. Still has some faith in Diaz, though. Who what? Rojas apparently still has some faith in Diaz. Says they're 
They're stuck there, job. obviously. Bro, supposed to have faith in this guy. <laughs> but his, his faith ran out, though. His faith has run out because he, he was because not the closer. He's, he was yeah, the, that's what I was just going to yeah, say. They haven't named him as a closer yet. I mean, he he wasn't in the he, he was in the early made innings. Passive aggressive statement. No, of course they do. They have to try to toe the line and blah blah instead of calling <laughs> anybody out. No one can be yeah. an adult about anything anymore. No one can take criticism, especially when they're making more money than the managers. But that being said, at least Diaz wasn't in the later innings the other day. And I mean, you you can't have Seth Lugo be the long man, the setup man, and the closer, unfortunately. But. Okay. It's yeah, just, this isn't MLB the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just Familia's crap, Diaz's crap, Batances has potential, but is struggling, and you've got Lugo. It's just yeah. the moment you go into that pen, you you know you're probably going to lose that game, just like, like Victor was saying yeah. the other night with that huge lead, and, and they botched it. They botched it. And, and then you cannot count on this hitting staff to do anything. You never know what you're going to get. You can get a, we're getting more guys on base than almost any other team, but we're not getting people in. No outs, men in scoring yeah. position. We can't bring guys home. It's anemic. Nimmo. Yeah, we had nine hits yesterday. What's that? Nine hits, zero runs for I said last night we had nine nine hits, zero runs for it, while as, um, what is it, Atlanta, I believe they had four runs on five hits. So yeah. they're just not closing. They're just not like... They can't bring brothers They're not home. connecting the dots. They no. can't bring runners home. That's the, that's, And you need to score runs in order to win this game. Well, yeah. speaking of, what about the defense and also hitting with men on base already? Well, that's what we were saying. How having, you know, the guys on base, especially in scoring position, especially with zero to one outs, they're just not connecting. And it's down the line. You know, Nimble can get all the walks he wants. McNeil is struggling. Alonzo is really uncomfortable at the plate. His swing has changed. He's struggling. He's pushing. He's pressing. Smith's been okay, but not consistent at uh, just being at the plate. Davis is struggling. Rosario's struggling. Cano has been picking it up lately, but not getting it done with men in scoring position. Ramos is god-awful, both at the plate and behind it. And the defensive woes are just, just scary. It's just scary how bad this team is offensively so, and defensively. As a whole picture, how do you think Rojas, Rojas has been given all of these shitty factors? Look, I can't knock the guy because he was brought into this situation super last minute, pre-pandemic with the whole Beltron drama. Now you have him trying to manage a team where you've had such a long gap between spring training and up until the official start of the season. He's playing pretty much a, well, what's the proper word for it? Not a simulated season. He's just playing like, he's a playing a short, yeah, he's playing a shortened season where he can't really get into a stride. So I can't say like, oh, this is old Rojas' fault because he was put in a bad situation. I'm sure if any one of us were thrown into this, uh, like he was, you wouldn't be like you, you probably would be having the same results as him. So you kind of have to take this game by game. It's frustrating as a Mets fan. It's frustrating to watch just if you're a baseball enthusiast. However, you know you could probably try to get the best you can out of the season. Maybe you'll consider these ten games as an experiment, and then these next fifty games is where the Mets pick it up. 
but that's just wishful thinking. Mm. At the end of the day, it's all about wins and losses, and these losses that we've had in the last 10 games have really uh, put a hurdle on us. Yeah, definitely, because I think when it comes to Rojas, being that it's such a short season, any mistake or any loss is going to be amplified because of how short the season is. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And it's it's unfortunate because you want to see baseball. I mean, people, that's what they're looking forward to from from March. You know, yeah. look, at the, look at the run the Mets had at the end of 2019. Yeah, we didn't make the playoffs, but uh, we came pretty darn close. So, And this year we had hopes of making that playoffs. Not saying it's completely over with this new uh, playoff format that we have going on. However, it's just not – you're not happy to see it. No. I mean – I can't really fault much of what Rojas has done. I, I, I've kind of agree with every when I have been paying diligent attention to the games. Every decision he's made, I for the most part agreed with. You know, I mean, I would love to never see Nito ever, but like for the most part, it's he's he's done a good job with the lineup. I think some days he should put in Smith where he doesn't, but like putting in Jimenez, giving Jimenez a chance, putting him in for defensive replacements every game, Marisnik for defensive replacement, moving folks around, you know, he'll take out JD, put Nimmo in left, Marisnik in center, put in Jimenez at third where we really need help because McNeil has, has had more errors than, than I've had heart attacks about this team over the years. Um, and then the pitching, you know, it's just, He's hindered with the pitching. You know, you want to take somebody out to put the pen in, but then it's like all I've got is is, is Lugo, and um, it's it's a hard decision to make because he he's, he's he's working with what he's got, and what he's got is not a lot, and he's done a good job. You know, Victor's spot on with how amplified it's going to be with the sixty game season. But so far, I think he's done a a, a good job. But, you know, I think Chili Davis needs to step it up. And I think uh, Jeremy Hefner needs to really step it up with his pitching staff. And you can't – it's not all the coaches' faults, pitchers and the defense and the hitting. We're not clicking on any front right now. And that's really scary when all three of your mainstays or all three of, uh, of the aspects of a, that win the game are just awful at the moment. But you know what? We've been competitive in a lot of games, and you know if the manager's going to get the blame when we lose, they should also get the credit when we're at least staying in it. So I think for the most part, he's done a good part of what he's had. Okay, so on a more positive note, uh, Jose Reyes, after 16 years in the MLB, he has officially retired. Um, obviously, you guys know that he played for the Mets. Um, from 2003 to 2011, and then again in 2016 to 18. So, how do you guys feel about him retiring? All right, I'm not going to lie. I really thought Jose Reyes retired in 2018 along with David Wright. Um, to see him go, um, I mean, it's it's part of the game. You, you see players come and go. Uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. I mean, when Jose came up with the team and he was in his prime years with David Wright, that was so much fun to watch. Unfortunate to see him leave to Miami. However, uh, when he did make his uh, second stint with the Mets, it was like, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? He did have some good, bright moments in 2016, uh, 2017, and then 2018. Everything kind of went downhill uh, from there. But, you know, I appreciate him as a player. He'll go down as a Mets legend. And, um, 
yeah, maybe we'll see him back with the team as an advisory role. Yeah, I mean, look, Jose, everyone who knows me knows Jose is like my second favorite player of all time behind Keith Hernandez. He, he got me back into baseball. After, you know, the 86 team was completely disbanded and then the strike and everything, I was done with baseball. I didn't give a crap. And then I turn on the playoffs in 2006, and I see this electric player who's just having fun. Baseball is so damn stuffy sometimes. To see someone out there having a good time and killing it was just refreshing. And, you know, my very first baseball jersey was, uh, as far as, like, you know, a player jersey was Jose. It was a birthday gift. And uh, the black jersey. And I still have it. I can't fit in it anymore, but I have it. And he was the most electric player we ever had. He's... Maybe, I'd say Ray Ordonez was the best defensive shortstop he ever had, but as far as an all-around player goes of being the leadoff man, who could hit for power when he needed to, but had the speed, has the most stolen bases, the most triples in, in, in franchise history, and his defense, and his swagger, and his energy. And the saying was, as Reyes goes, so goes the Mets. And that was absolutely true for a good long time. He People get down him, you know, People say he left for the money. Now, did he leave right as far correctly as far as taking himself out that game, that final game in 2011, which I was at, which I made sure I was at? No, he didn't. And he knows he made a mistake. As he got older, he realized that was that was just that, you know he was going for a batting title, and that was unacceptable. And uh, played the whole game, but it is what it is. Um, and you know, and then he 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 really never had a, a, a shining career after that. You know, he had his, his personal problems and issues, which he worked out, and that's none of our business at the end of the day. The Mets gave him a chance to come home. He came home. He was filling in for right. And for someone who had never really played third, third base in his life, he did okay. You know, he was a spark plug in 2016. Uh, he was a leader for the team. He took uh, Ahmed Rosario under his, under his wing. At the time when it seemed like a good idea that we were bringing Cespedes back repeatedly, Jose was a big – Jose and Wright played huge roles in that. Um, he really was, he, he had settled into the veteran role and he is, in my opinion, the best leadoff and shortstop we've ever had. And, uh, yes, he did pretty much retire in 2018. I was at those last two games, Wright's last game too. I mean, and I wanted for, you know, someone who's as emotionally invested in the Mets as I am, as much as I bitch, I am, I am an emotional mess when it comes to saying goodbye to players who I love. And I wanted from 2011 all the way to 2018, nothing more than to see Wright and Reyes finish their careers together on the left side of the infield as Mets. And I got to see it. And I was bawling seeing those two hug one last time. They put them they put them on the kiss cam, and it was hilarious. And then Wright walked <laughs> off and had his day. Yeah. And then the very next game, Jose played one inning again, but it was so that he could just tip his cap. He knew it wasn't going to be the same fanfare. But uh, he came out the game, and you hear... And he came out, he tipped his cap, and that was it. And I will forever remember Jose for this song, for all the energy he brought, for how he led the team, and uh, for just being an all-around Mets great. And, uh, you know, good, best of luck to you, Jose, in your music career. And uh, hopefully one day you'll be a first base coach for the Mets where you can help the next generation learn how to steal bases as well as you did. Yeah. So he did leave Mets fans with a tweet online. He said, Mets fans, what can I say? We never got the ring we hoped we would get, but I can't imagine playing in front of any better fans in the whole world. Your passion and energy always lifted me higher, and for that I will always be grateful. I love you, Jose. I really do. 
you know, you and Wright being gone is the end of an era, and uh, yeah, and uh, get that Definitely. get that retirement package, brother. For real. Okay, so are we on to Mets memes? Mets memes, memes, Mets memes. Memes. All right. So the first one is who is this guy? It looks like who is that? That's the uh, crying Tiger Woods, but it is Tiger. I was like. He, he should be wearing a Mets hat, though, because uh, <laughs> that's how the season's going for us. I mean, yeah, I think... I think it's always by Atlanta, so... Yeah, I think all the home runs Atlanta's hitting off of us. I mean, he's just... You know, the, yeah. the Atlanta <laughs> apple coming up and down. It's so sad. <laughs> but this one's a little... It's, it's a very, little less Mets-related, but topical. It's a, it's an image of all the cardboard cut. This one's at Globe Life Field. But because uh, not every team has done the cardboard cutouts. Breaking yeah. health officials report six cardboard cutout baseball fans test positive for coronavirus. There was also another one that I saw where uh, they said that the player, the cardboard cutouts were leaving. If they're at City Field, they sure as shit are. That's sad. Yeah. I will say, I will, I will, I, I need to retract. If I had one, I'd request to have my cardboard cutout removed. Right. I have to retract my anger from a previous episode where I was pissed off that they were selling them. It turns out that all the proceeds, the eighty-six dollars the Mets are charging, are all going to charity. So that's that's a good job. Oh, that's good. That is really good. The next one is a video meme that uh, PCL <laughs> Laxity sent. Uh, well, we'll tweet it. And- It is, it is the Mets funeral. Okay, now, now my computer wants to, fr- there we go. <laughs> so it is the Mets funeral, of yeah, course. Yeah. Which is, and this one, my personal favorite. Uh, the Astros one, right? The Astros. It says coronavirus free because we saw the signs coming. Yeah. yeah. I saw, actually, I saw this one thing. Uh, I should have mentioned it in the episode before, but it was where the Yankees and Red Sox gave, like, um, a round of applause for the Astros, and they were all banging trash cans. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, man, that was brilliant. And so here we have, <laughs> yes, you want to take this one? Well, I mean, we all know that he went missing, so now they put him on a milk carton trying to find him. Oh, God, well... Topical, that's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, look, I know we joke around with this, but at least he was healthy and safe. Yes, yeah. at least he was okay. No, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that, and I wish him luck, whatever happens. He's. Yeah. We'll see what his future I, I holds. Give, I gotta give this to him, because, I mean, like how we started this episode, 2015's episode, uh, 2015's that is was uh, one of the highlights. Yeah, I mean, okay. He so, was he was a, he's definitely a legend from 2015 Cespedes. We are glad he's safe and safe. Yeah. We are totally glad that a lot of the months are safe from Corona. We do hope and that the MLB decides to implement some sort of standards to make things a lot better for the players as well as the staff and we do hope that going into the 2020 season we still have a season and we still have healthy players. That's all I ask for. No, we're going to go to Miami this week, so let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, so this has been a call to the pen, 
And we are standing room only. I am Ashley. I'm Shane. Victor. He's Victor. I'm Shane. That's Ashley. I'm Ashley. <laughs> She's Victor. That's Shane. We are people. And we're saying goodbye. Victor, you want to throw your papers? I don't have any papers on it. No. no. Okay. okay, I got you. I got you. Ready? One, two. No papers. I'm, I'm officially clocked out for this season. <laughs> Hopefully MLB clocks themselves out very shortly. Yeah. Ooh.